You're listening to the Superpower Up Podcast with your superpower experts. This is the place where we explore real-life superpowers and give you the tools to unlock your own. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and I have a treat for you today. I am so excited to have this couple with us today. It, I don't often get to talk to the couples. I think with the Sex, Love, and Superpower show, usually they migrate that way. But, but you know, I snagged up these two so we could have a chat over here at Superpower Up about really, really amazing work that they're doing in the world. And so they call themselves the Sex Docs. And so you know where we're going with this conversation today. But Dr. John Robinson and Dr. Christina Bosch are just these amazing people um, who – you know, what I love best about them is the kind of energetic entwinement. It's got this real like electrified sense to it as they, as they work together and move through the world. And, and they're doing good stuff. And, and really around the concept of helping couples, obviously, and, and not just couples, but everybody, but as it relates to the hormone aspects of sex, but also they don't stop there. And I think that's what I appreciate about them most. They're living it. They're breathing it. They've got this. They work together, and so so we we like the conscious couples and, and the collaborative partnerships in business. Um, but they add in this really cool kind of optimization of sexual health as through the hormone conversation. And so it's super grounded, super practical and pragmatic, but yet with these tones of like love and connection and and spirituality and energy and. Um, all of the wonderful things that we like to talk about over here at Superpower Experts. So they're a perfect integration of all of that, and they bring a wealth of knowledge and experience with them to the show. And I'm absolutely going to mention that they are in the they are have been voted for uh, cutest couple, which is absolutely true. So if you're listening to this, go to our website and look at their very cute picture. Um, and also best endocrinologist um, from Arizona Foothills, the best of lists. So um, without further ado, please join me in welcoming Dr. Christina Romero-Bosch and Dr. John Robinson to the show. Welcome, you two. Wow, thank you. That was a wonderful intro. That, that really was. That makes me more excited <laughs> yeah. to be here now. <laughs> Yay, awesome. Well, that's kind of the goal of that. I, yeah. I, somebody somebody told me one time, they're like, can you just introduce me like every morning? Like, yeah, I just, no kidding. <laughs> just start recording them and sell. Oh, yeah, I do record them. So we could just clip it and then you can listen to it every day. Oh, very cool. So our first question is, what are your superpowers? Wow. Well, um, how about how about we do it this way? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna answer first for myself. Okay. And then maybe you can answer for you, and then maybe we can kind of come up with something on how we combine that together as a couple. Um, <laughs> you two are so cute. <laughs> we're gonna make a compound work. Yeah, right. right we're, gonna, go. we're gonna figure this out. Go. So, <laughs> look, I, I mean, I'm a naturopathic physician. We're both naturopathic physicians, and as as, as naturopaths, we're already kind of looking at things. Um, an integrated way. We're looking at the world in an integrated way. We're using the lens of this whole holistic approach um, to to approach people with their health. And so I think one of the things that, that I personally do well is um, I'm very good at examining multiple different parts and really bringing it together. I just think it's one of my skills. It's something that I did in my first book, The Hormone Zone, that that Christina contributed to, and it was this 500-page uh, tome of just all kinds of concepts that um, I'm really just, I, as I said in the book, I'm I, on, on the shoulders of giants, 
and I come up with these ideas because I research and look at what other people have discussed, but I think where I excel is kind of systems analysis and bringing things together for people, um, whether we're talking about the multiple different levels on a, a physicality, but also from a mental, emotional, and spiritual standpoint. So I'd say I'm the blender and that sort of communicator on that level. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. So kind of the synthesis of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. And then, so I'm going to answer then my superpower. First of all, I love the notion of superpowers. We really have a thing with superheroes in our house. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then I'm going to tie it back into what I think are a couple superpowers. I'm the opposite of John. I'm more of the... Um, in, like super intuitive, you know, we always joke and we, John says that I have witchy ways, very intuitive. Um, I love it. Maybe, this is a little bit fluffy, but I think it's very true. Maybe like almost like energy reader. Um, I have a, I have a really good skill at just looking at someone and then going, what's wrong? And then they're like, what, what? And usually there is something wrong. Um, and I think it's funny that John commented on his analysis and then synthesis, and I'm commenting on my more of like, what's the story behind the person? You know, I can't tell you the author of my favorite book, but I can remember stories from someone's, uh, you know, like a patient's timeline from five years ago. So when you put those things together, I think our, our superpower as a couple is something that we refer to when we're, talk when we're doing our Facebook Live sessions every Tuesday we have this notion of a word, and it's called artisans, which is the combination of the word art and science. John always presents on the science, which is usually very analytical, research-based, and then I always present on something artistic relating back to the health topic and, and usually back to sexuality and sex. So I would say that our superpower as a couple is this notion of artisans where we strike that wonderful integrated balance of art and science for pretty much every aspect of wellness. I, I love, yeah, I love so much. Yeah, absolutely. And I love so much of what you're talking about, which is why, you know, we're shaping the show today around that calling you all the sex and relationships doctors, because I think that, you know, we love, we love the sex dialogues. Like it's fascinating and titillating if I dare say, but yeah. the, um, you know, but, but the core underneath all of that, my bias is this time we're seeing, a lot of couples choosing to come together and work together, um, not just in business necessarily, but a lot of them are doing that also, but revamping what it means to be in a partnership together. And um, we really do attract a lot of those folks and it's, it feels different. Like I have, I have memories of a lot of different lifetimes and parallel universes and everything else, but, but, it, but I, but I like the romanticism of saying that this feels different this time, that it yeah. feels like we're kind of cracking the code on truly being collaborative in our relationships. And, and Justin and I even went so far as to work it into our um, vows when we got married was, you know, we, we were very clear that we were here to bring each other closer to God mm -hmm. and whatever that looked like. Um, you know, I was pretty opposed to the whole dialogue around marriage until somebody um, gave me a copy of Khalil Gibran's book, The Prophet, on marriage. And um, they just gave me the section on marriage. And I was able to kind of 
listen to that and, and, and read it and embrace it in a way that I had never embraced the concept of marriage before. And I have amazing examples of marriage. Like my parents are still together. Like it wasn't that I had a negative view of it. It just didn't feel like it fit. Right. Um, right. And then all of a sudden it fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying. It's true. I mean, we have, we have this hypersexual world and yet we're drastically and painfully lacking intimacy. How did mm-hmm. that happen? And then I, you know, you, you'll hear me say this a lot, or one will hear me say this a lot. I had this very traditional, very, very conventional upbringing. Same thing. My, my parents have been married for 47 years. And, and I always thought having sex every day is one of the primary reasons why people get married. I'm like, once you're married, you're allowed. Like, now you have permission. Like, your parents and God and everyone says, like, yeah, go at it. And then I get into this, I get into this business trying to help people with their health and wellness and feeling sexy and loving and nobody's, I'm like, having, sex. And nobody's having sex i said wait 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 what's going on here yeah, hold up <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a major there's a major schism between what we think is sexuality and what we understand that really what most people are looking for is is intimacy and yes the physical pleasure that comes with that and, and i'm and I, i'd like that you tie that together i think that we see either or like the hypersexualization or the kind of overlay of the hyper spiritual and it's like as spiritual beings we shouldn't really want sex right we don't need it and all these other things and and while i will hold space that some of that's truth like as you move further and further into wholeness and connection it certainly it's not a need there's no dependency there and it's like kind of why not like you're talking about like you're allowed to now you know you get to do this and it's so funny, we talked a little bit before the show about um, our daughter, and she's such an amazing teacher. And one of the concepts she was having so much trouble with is she's really big into nakedness. Like, she doesn't really understand why she has to have clothes on. And we took her to Burning Man, and it's just like, that was like heaven for her. She was like, oh, cool, I can kind of do whatever I want to do. But what, what was so baffling was, and I don't remember how it came about, but the conversation around you can show a bear butt before you can show a bear in our house. We call them a yoni and a lingam, right? Those are, that's a verbiage that we use. And, and she's like, mom, I just don't understand. And I was like, well, honey, I, it's, I don't know. Like I, I got nothing, right? Like I, I don't know where all this comes from. And um, she's like, yeah, but like your yoni is like you, you give birth there. Like there's child and your butt, like poop comes out of your butt. Like why? Like it was so innocent and pure oh and it was God, like yeah. why can we show butts where it would uh-huh. defecate and then like why is this thing like it was just like she just has these things that come out sometimes and and I was thinking about that while you were talking because because of the hypersexualization and everything else I'm learning so much about how silly some of the ideas are and some of the norms are through her eyes because yeah. as you go to try to explain them you're like yeah, I don't know. Like, I really, I, I got nothing. I really can't help you with that. Um, and and you know, so it's so masterful. I think that's exactly what we're wanting to do and, and we are starting to do is create this conversation that certainly with our patients, I mean, and, and, you know, if we're in, in the middle of a consult, there's a level of intimacy and privacy that's going on with that. But even in that setting, um, it's amazing with the statistics how um, many patients don't bring up sexual difficulty or, uh, you know, problems in, in, in the bedroom in any way. They don't even bring that up with their doctor. So nobody's talking about it. So what, what Christine and I are, are wanting to do is present this as a conversation that is honest, 
that is um, forthright, that is medical, perhaps at, at the appropriate time, and it's something that you can just engage in. There doesn't have to be the sense of yeah. There's no judgment. There's no shame, which is probably one of the biggest things that goes on with sexuality, and just make it frank. And I think as soon as you, you know, a lot of times people even hesitate to say anything, and if you just simply say it, but say it with truth and say it with meaning, then we just open it up and you break down those walls hopefully right away, and just have an honest conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your daughter's giving, giving you and giving us, giving all of us, the audience as well, is perfect example of how easy it is for her to talk about those things that are really good questions. I mean, they're at the core of our heart, our brain, our soul, and she's asking them without, without any um, connotation. She's just inquiring. And, and you would be surprised, Tonya, to see how rare that is. You know, before the before the show started, you had asked us, oh, so how's it going with the sex talks? And what I want to say was, it's going great, because once people say, oh, the sex talks, maybe there's someone I can talk to about these questions. Maybe there's someone I can ask about how things work, how things don't work, and maybe there's people out there that are thinking to themselves, gosh, this doesn't, this doesn't feel as good as maybe it should, or, and then they're able to come to us with those questions and then say, you know, what what's the difference between what was it, the, the yoni, you know, what, what's going on with my yoni versus my bud, and, and really good questions without a socially um, imposed connotation. Yeah. I like that. So, well, exactly, and I, and I, for the work that I do, you know, and that, that we do over at Superpower Experts, I'm amazed at how many couples aren't dialoguing openly together in that space, and, and it leads to so much miscommunication and hurt feelings and, and shoving down of like insecurities and all these other things. Um, you know, Justin, I've gone through so many levels of like exposure in the sense of like the latest, what I, I, I described is like, I just felt like I sat like verbally vomited. Like I just made him sit there and I'm like, okay, this is all coming out. Like anything that was in me that was like the least little shred of embarrassment from the third grade or whatever it was when, you know, one little girl told me my toes look like sausages. And it was like, you, you kind of like throw that all in there and shove it in yeah. and it, and it, we don't realize what a role that plays in shaping our existence oh, yeah. until we pull it out to look at it. And I'm like, Oh my God. I felt, I was like, I was laughing at myself. It was like an hour. And I'm like, and then, and then this happened. And then I had this and I got done. And I was like spent and I'm looking at it. I was like, Oh my God, that felt so good. You go now you do you like, <laughs> You sound like you sound like from Goonies. You remember that that scene with Chunky when he starts confessing yeah. like a first grade. One time in kindergarten. Yeah, oh my god! You know, it's but so it, funny. You're right. Yeah. You know, you may think, gosh, I guess that's why I don't wear open toe shoes or whatever. We don't realize how, like you said, things that we thought we dealt with actually have shaped us, perhaps in a way that makes us feel less less wonderful and less beautiful than we are. Mm -hmm. And I, and I don't think we see that any more than in body image and sex. And I remember for some reason in high school, I was like the go-to expert in all things, relationships and sex, which was comical to me because I, I wasn't in a relationship and I hadn't had sex yet, but it was like, for whatever reason, I was just that person who, like you said, who created that space that people just felt comfortable talking with them about it and and I took every class with the word sex in the title in college and it it, it I've always been fascinated with how people interact and how attraction works and and how our bodies function and and in a lot of the mystery in um 
how we relate to each other because I think intrinsically I got that it's, it's not always the healthiest. And I, and I wrote a book about, you know, a couple of different rape situations in my own existence that led me to being able to open up some of this dialogue and really getting um, clarity around how toxic that lack of communication is with yourself as well as with other people. And we see it with our young people. We're still teaching our young people that, you know, boys should try to get it and girls should pretend they don't want it. And it's like, how is this helpful? Like it's, it's not in any way, shape or form leading to anything good. And so, you know, opening up that space to, to have those dialogues, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to go out on a limb and, 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 you know, promote you all in a pretty powerful way and say that I don't know that there's any more powerful conversation. Um, because the work between couples right now is so crucial and it rests on that as the foundation. So I applaud the work that you're doing in the world. You know, thank you for that. And I, I think it makes me think of the word intercourse. And I think that's, in, in fact, even what your daughter was saying and this idea that, uh, or we were saying about spirituality, where maybe sometimes people get away from the physicality of sex. But intercourse comes on all these different levels. I mean, there's intercourse that's happening right now. Um, and to be to be sexual doesn't mean penetration also. And we talk about this a lot with our patients. This idea of sexuality is about intercoursing with everything and everyone around you. And I think that's certainly what spirituality is about. It's a full level of intercourse. And you can use the physicality of sex in order to um, perhaps bridge these things. Um, but it isn't always necessary, like you were saying. But I, we do think that uh, it's a big uh, part of who we are. And um, that's what kind of starts the whole process of yeah. it. The yeah. physicality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to get, to get a little soapboxy because we can, thankfully you're allowing this, this forum to exist so that we can get this way. When you think of the importance of the work you're doing with your interviews and with the couples and, and the stuff that John and I are trying to do, we have to, we have to acknowledge that this is affecting the world at many different levels. Number one is we're helping to create happier, healthier individuals. Number two, we're helping to create happier, healthier couples. Number three, Happier, healthier couples lead to happier, healthier families, communities, countries, worlds. Ultimately, when we have a stronger, a stronger foundation within ourselves and with our community, our partners, whomever they may be, we're able to make decisions that affect literally the world and the future because we're not so reactionary, we're not so insecure, and we're not so unhappy. <laughs> I love it. So you heard it here first, folks. Good sex leads to world peace. So with that, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a short break. <laughs> I think it's perfect. That's right. So let, we're gonna take a. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, John, finish your thought. It, you know, a lot of this is about um, polarity and. And I was thinking about what you were saying, too, about, you know, what, what is needed? How do we sort of make this bridge? And at, so we're, we're, we're big believers between our own relationship of this idea of polarity, uh, of, of masculine and feminine energies coming together. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean male or female. It just, you know, in the traditional sense. But it certainly means an idea of which partner is masculine and which partner is feminine and bringing that together and honoring um, both of those things to allow the masculine to be masculine, to allow the feminine to be feminine. 
And I think perhaps maybe we're in a situation where some of that idea is getting a little muddied um, or, or maybe socially we feel there's, there's difficulty in doing that, whether men trying to be men or even sometimes women just trying to be women um, sometimes can get a little bit muddied. And there's a lot of different ways to define all of that. Um, but we see it in a way where men need to be integrated. They need to be fully um, allowed to be who they are. And then with women being able who they are, this helps to bridge that gap, the gap that creates the intercourse, that creates that polarity, that creates that intensity, that fire, that thing that draws people in together and to create one plus one equals three, making more than the sum of the part through that polarity. Mm, so it's such a, a powerful statement. Yeah, I think that opens us up to some really um, juicy stuff that we can get into right after the break. So we're talking with um, Dr. John Robinson and Dr. Christina Bosch, and we're talking about the sex and relationships doctors, because uh, that's what they are. And so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive more fully into exactly what John was just talking about and just how important these conversations are. So stick with us and we'll be right back. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer -peer learning, intensive one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Awesome. You're listening to the Superpower Up podcast, and we're talking today about where well, we're talking with the sex and relationships doctors, uh, Dr. John Robinson and Dr. Christina Bosch. And um, John, before the break, you were talking about something that's really near and dear to our hearts here at Superpower Experts. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about the divine feminine, the divine masculine, and, and, and all the spiritual circles and stuff these days. It, here, we, we take a little bit of a different twist as we look at the wholeness and integrative aspects of each one of us and build that up from within. But I think what you're talking about is is really important. And I see a lot of movement right now in the healing, if you will, of the divine masculine. We've, we've, we created the space for women to kind of come forward and say, okay, what are we? Who are we? How do we want to go about this? Um, and, and now I feel pretty strongly that it's our turn to kind of hold that space and allow for men to come forward and ask those same questions. That's, that's a challenging zone. It, it is. And I, and I, I gladly take up uh, that challenge for this, and in fact, is something I've been passionate about, uh, even more specifically, maybe in the past about year, year and a half. Um, recently, I went to uh, we we all the family went to London, um, where I had an opportunity to speak before an international congress on naturopathic medicine. Uh, and my topic specifically was about the global decline of testosterone and sperm in men, and. My particular approach, aside from just sort of kind of digging into the research and what we're starting to see, uh, even right after my, my uh, talk that I gave in early July, maybe a three weeks later, there was another large study that came out that further, you know, corroborated this idea that sperm is indeed lowering. 
globally, we're seeing this, you know, in the UK, in New Zealand, Australia, the US, we're seeing this decline, and that includes then testosterone. So aside from that, there's, so my approach was, instead of just looking at just that part of what are the mental, emotional, spiritual, the social constructs, um, the cultural constructs, and, and results of that, yeah, the implications of that, and we're seeing an effect. Um, and so whether for someone may view that or for good or bad, I tend to see, see that there, most of it is probably not very good and that we need to combat this. But some of those things are, you know, the idea that masculinity is toxic. And I think that's unfortunate. I just don't think it's accurate in any way um, that it's just toxic. All elements have this ability, uh, whether masculine or feminine has the ability to be toxic. But that's being masculine, being really, truly integrated within your manliness and, and masculinity isn't and wouldn't be toxic. It's impossible for it to be if you're truly integrated. Mm -hmm. um, and so we talked about this, and, and uh, there's, a, there's a paper on the website that I wrote and um, uh, a video to kind of a 30-minute sort of idea about this. And it's just something that we really need to look at to allow men to be men so women can be women and vice versa. Yeah, this so, is, and this is, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Christina. I was going to say that this is, this is scientific research in the sense that these aren't just cultural and anthropo or cultural anthropological studies. These are measurements of hormone levels, measurement of sperm count, and these are generational comparisons. What we're finding is that this is the first generation where men are having lower sperm count than their fathers did at, at that age. Um, that's very significant. And, and I would also challenge that I don't think masculinity or femininity, femininity can ever be toxic. I don't think that there, I don't, I, I just don't see that at all. I think it's about the wielding of that energy. And oh, you, had said, you had said, Tonya, that we're, we're, we're in a time where women have had an opportunity to come forward and say, you know, who are we? What do we stand for? What do we look like? And that now it's a good time for men to have an opportunity to do the same. But, but here's the problem with that. I don't think women really succeeded at defining themselves. I always critique that the notion of modern women should be that it's a woman that can do it all be the president of a big company, be the mother of five children, be someone who knows how to make a quiche and still look good when you leave the house. That's modern woman. It's someone who knows how to tend to her garden and tend to her corporate needs and tend to the world. And, and what I find that we have done as women, and again, this is independent of sexual orientation. What I find that we are doing as women is that we are saying, we don't need males in our world because I am male enough, but that is coming at the expense of being female. Well, and, 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 I, and that's, yeah, that's, that certainly is happening. I, I don't see that a whole lot. Like I, I, I see it in laden in, in some of our clients and stuff like that. I think what I see more is that within the collective consciousness, we've allowed for the alternative, which is what you're speaking of. I certainly don't, I'm not naive enough to think that we fully have embraced that, but I think that the construct was created. And now I see that we're creating the construct for this integrated masculine concept as well. Certainly the work is still left to be done. You know, but the spaces that, I mean, those of us who pave the way, the way showers, all those folks, like 
we're having a different dialogue than what is allowed within the trickle effect, you know? So, so it's, you know, you have to, you have to take into account both of those, um, both of those, those levels of information. So I agree with you 100% in that regard. I want to play devil's, devil's advocate a little bit and ask, is it possible that the decline in testosterone and sperm counts and everything else is playing into some sort of an evolutionary thing as opposed to being a detrimental thing? You know, I've, I've thought about that, and, um, and through what I've kind of found, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think so, but here, evolutionary in this sense, that testosterone, we can actually look at testosterone changes from a historical standpoint that there are hormonal cycles, that we are in the midst of our own circadian rhythm of hormonal cycles on a larger historical standpoint. Um, so depending on where hormonal cycles are, particularly with testosterone just being one of the key ones for both men and women, um, will depend on what's going on with society. So it's always an ebb and a flow and an up mm -hmm. and a down and a change. So I don't know if it would evolve past it or around it. It would just kind of be a constant ebb and flow, at least from what we've seen thus far. Um, Testosterone and Civilization is an interesting uh, book where uh, the author goes through this uh, interesting way of looking at um, literally sun cycles and how the sun is in, in and where that is, how that influences what's going on with testosterone and then how that impacts um, social constructs and where we are in civilization. Um, so it's a the constant ebb and flow. Yeah. And, and I, so I appreciate you being willing to kind of entertain that question because the, you know, from how I look at things and certainly not immersed in, in, in the science as you all are, but the, just, just an observation. And I always look to, okay, what's the purpose? Like, is there a purpose or who's driving this train or is it conspiracy theory or, you know, did the right. Palladians come and alter our DNA? Like, I don't know, you know, but, but, the, but I like to explore all of those concepts. And, um, what I do know yeah, and I'm safe saying, or I feel very confident saying, I do know that it is having an impact. So whether it's evolution or a mutation, and we're going to have to learn to adapt to, or it's it's an issue and it can be resolved and and put us back on a trajectory. Regardless, it's creating havoc. And so yeah. the the dialogue, you know, we're circling back around to again. Let me just promote you all. The, the dialogue is so crucial. Um, and what, rather than get caught up, because we attract a lot of folks who, you know, play in some otherworldly kind of aspects. And, and so for our listener base, recognize that we, no matter how divergent we all want to be, we have to manage the convergence as well. So it's not enough just to say we're going to shake everything up and throw it all out there. Like there are people and marriages and families and children and all these things that are and, and civilizations and all this whatnot yeah. that are impacted by those shakeups. So whether we're managing the adaptation to the mutation or whether we are um, managing providing the solutions to get us back on track, I think it results in the same thing, which is a solution that you all bring to the table. Yeah, I'm glad you said the word solution, and that we we that is the way we are here and the way we practice and how we're engaging our patients. I personally, I'm such a solutions-driven, results-driven person. So when somebody sits in front of me, um, 
it's about results, about giving them something. So that, in other words, that I do believe as what you're saying, that's the thing to focus on. Uh, we can sit around and talk about why and how and all those things. And, and, and that's always interesting or sometimes it's kind of like mental masturbation in its own right. Right. We had we're to get masturbation work. in there somewhere, right? <laughs> I, I did that on purpose. Do you think that went over well? <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Good, good, good job. Good job. <laughs> but anyway, yes, it's all about results. What are we going to do about it? Um, what are we going to do moving forward? And maybe from an evolutionary standpoint, that's exactly what these kind of shakeups, as you said, are designed to do. You know, um, you know, the, the shattering of the tower, the shattering of our, of our ideas of ourselves is just supposed to wake us up to something new. And that's certainly how we define medicine. Medicine is anything that helps you to understand more about yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what this is all about. And it's well, and I'm <laughs> Go ahead, Anna. Tony, we keep saying that. Um, it's a very good question to ask uh, the notion of, well, what, what may be the bigger reason? Why is this happening? And it's a question that we actually get on our table quite a bit with regards to sex hormone replacement therapy. So many patients will say, especially females will say, well, why would I want to do sex hormone replacement therapy if I'm menopausal and my hormones are supposed to go down? And it's a really good question. In other words, are we here tinkling um, with things that we shouldn't be? Are we, are we meddling where, where we're not supposed to? Are we finding solutions for a problem we created? And what we often answer to the patient is, yes, hormones are supposed to go down. They're just not supposed to go away. Yes, testosterone levels fluctuate historically with periods, but they're not supposed to be detrimental to the overall health of a people. And that's what we see with declining levels of testosterone. We see an increase in chronic inflammatory diseases. There's a lot of reasons why that happens, environmental factors, um, pollutants, emotional stressors, whatever. But as long as we're keeping our mind on, uh, open to both looking at the trees and looking at the forest, whether we're talking about sex hormone replacement or the quality of your sexual health, we want to make sure we're encouraging those patients to talk to us about everything so that we can determine what's a problem that's, that we're supposed to be fixing versus is this not a problem and maybe it's a matter of perspective. Well, and, and I, appreciate, I appreciate that because I think sometimes, you know, especially your forest and trees com comment because it, it, in my opinion, it is a balance. And I, I hesitate to take on any stories unless I've, kind of looked through them to the origin and been like, well, how do we know and when, why do we believe this? And, and mostly like who's making money off of this belief system yeah. kind of concept. The <laughs> but the, but, but I think that, um, and I like to play with cause and effect as well. And so um, my question to you is that yes, hormone replacement may lead to that to, to let's say better sex life is the inverse also true better sex life actually helps balance hormone levels. Absolutely, is that a true yes. statement? Yeah. It, it is a that, yeah, it's... Um, Exclamation mark. Structure follows function, function stru follows structure and, and, and form. And so uh, we, there's definitely, that's something I talk about in that paper as well. It, it literally, let's say as an example, and this would kind of tie back to some of the social constructs, just simply looking into um, the idea of competition, if you are in a competitive situation and you win, you, your testosterone will go up. You can stimulate your testosterone through belief, even the idea or the belief of winning. 
your testosterone will rise. Even if you're not engaging in that, let's say, competitive sports or whatever it might be, just watching something. You're, you, so the way you're thinking and believing will drive hormonal response. Then hormonal response also can drive the way you're thinking and believing and performing. So it's really both. Um, so again, since we look at things holistically as naturopaths and, and this sort of systems analysis, to me, why not do both? Why not think about it from a mental, emotional standpoint and then also approach it from a physical standpoint to get the best of, of both worlds or all worlds? Yeah. And that's true for men and women, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, that's practice. You know, one of the things that John and I have um, mentioned to patients in the past, which I think is just a great experiment that John introduced me to one day, um, is the notion of having individuals or couples, although I wonder if it works with individuals, again, back to masturbation. I'm not sure. It's an interesting thought. <laughs> If you commit to your <laughs> That's twice. We got twice in there. <laughs> we got twice, yes. <laughs> and let's see how let's see where, where your questions go after this. If you say to your partner, let's do an experiment. Let's go thirty days and have some form of intercourse, sexual intercourse every day for thirty days. No matter what. No matter what. And see what happens. And see what happens. <laughs> so I and so, I think you bring up a great a great point, and and I see it all the time in this work. Like the number of people I attract, that or you know we attract over here superpower experts who come to us and say, oh, "I know I'm here to change the world." I'm like, "Great!" So here are the steps to do it, and it's like, "Um, yeah, no, I don't. I'm just going to change the world." And it's like, "Okay, yeah. awesome." And so part of part of my marching orders, if you will, that that were very clear was that was to create the playgrounds so that people could practice. Mm -hmm. the discipline of doing what they claim they're here to do. And, and it, I would estimate about 5% of people will really do it. And, um, you know, I'm starting to see more people, uh, more books and stuff like that actually affirm the 5%, which, okay, I can take credit for creating the affirmation, whatever. But it's, but it's the concept that it's so much easier to say, oh, I want a better sex life or I want more intimacy in my relationship or whatever, whatever the story might be. But it's like, are you willing to do the work? Right. And, um, and it doesn't have to be work per se, but it's, it's committing to undoing what's not working. Yes. Yes. Effort. I mean, you've got to put effort into change. You've got to put effort into change. And we say, it doesn't matter if you're, it doesn't matter if you're sleepy. It doesn't matter if you're on your period. It doesn't matter. Just do it. Sometimes they're going to be sessions, like good sessions. And sometimes they're just going to be quickies. And you're going to giggle through the whole thing, laughing at yourselves and your, you know, patheticness. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. The point is you're doing it together and then you've accomplished it. And even if you only make it through two weeks, you have learned so much about yourself and your partner, and you've learned to prioritize each other and the relationship over other things. Yeah, it creates the habit right away. So if I'm hearing you correctly, we're, we're, the gauntlet has been thrown. We are oh, yeah. issuing a challenge. That's it. You've heard it here first. 30 yeah. days, folks, sex with yourself or with your partner, um, right. you know, for 30 days, no excuses, yeah. and watch what happens. And, and it's so interesting that, that our conversation has gone in this way because I've been having that kind of same thought lately of how much of, of what we take on as reality, you know, as a real story can be altered with simply um, the discipline to choose to alter it. Now, now here, and in, in, in total confession, 
I love that stuff. Like that, I totally get off on the flipping of realities and challenging myself to do things. You know, Justin and I are infamous for it. We did CrossFit for a while. We stopped drinking for 2017. Like anything I can do to remind myself that I have that choice. Yeah. You know, and and removing any stories that perhaps no longer serve me or or that I just am not interested in anymore. Like it doesn't even have to be grandiose. Can I do it? Yeah. You know, and I think that let me let me kind of circle back around that and, and what you'd said earlier too. Getting to yes, or this this idea that that five percent only seem to follow through, and I think that's true in almost any industry. Um, in, in in our medical industry, it's, we call it compliance. You know, we've got all kinds of great ideas, whether or not the patient actually follows through with it. But this idea of getting to yes, how do people get to yes? And I, I've gone through this whole process of, you know, digging into it and self-help books. And, I'm, you know, we're both huge fans of Tony Robbins. And how do people do it? Okay. And I've tried to figure out what's the psychology behind it, what's the spiritual nature behind it. And really, I think probably as digging into a lot of the spirituality of where I started to really figure it out. But how do you do it? You just do it. Right. And it really isn't any more complicated than that. Until I came back to that, you know, it's normally the simplicity is where you find the answers. And until I came back to that, uh, I, I didn't know what the answer was. Yeah. But well, I, but I let's let's yeah, exactly. Let's talk about that. That's why we don't want to think that it's that simple, yeah. because we like the complexity. I had a client the other day. Um, you know, I offer a lot of reframing, and so my clients have text mm-hmm. access to me. They're like, "How do I do this?" And it's always a simple like this is how you do it. Like, it's kind of like, right. go back to love. Like, it's really not that challenging. And there, and, and, and she was like, ah, she goes, it's always so simple. I said, simple. <laughs> yes, but not normal. Uh-huh. That's the challenge is, is we are thirsty for the dramas and for the complexities. Right. And, and we want it to be this, oh, this big deal. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's, it's the biggest deal ever, but it's also not, you know? And so it's like, <laughs> I wonder if it's actually that people are thinking it's going to be the biggest deal or it's the simplicity that drives the change and it's the the fear of their own light, the fear of their own greatness that they're really fearing, that they don't want to go through. So if oh, they can always. get around yeah. through sort of, again, mental masturbation, there's three times we uh, use it. And yes. so the, the machinations of, 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 oh, I can do this, and they make a big deal out of that process then they never really did anything, but they have excuse right. and it seemed like right. it was yeah. something that yeah. was big. But yeah, they get to really pat big. themselves on the back yeah. and woohoo, yeah, I, I, I kind of ran around in circles for a while. I don't, I don't sit here saying I've never <laughs> done that, yeah. but I think we all need to continue to come back to that simple notion of mm-hmm. just simply doing it. Well, I, Absolutely. I, I, I believe that this is, um, this is basically where we're headed is if we can have this awareness within our own lives that it is really decision by decision that ultimately changes your world and the world, then we have a higher chance of success. And how incredibly empowering is that? It's just like the notion of where are the big miracles of the days? And and we say miracles don't happen anymore. I read this really pretty mommy blogger who wrote this piece in, in light of, of the challenges of, of last week. And she said, where are all the miracles nowadays? And she said, where are people walking on water? Where is water, you know, water turned into wine? And then she said, 
that we fail to recognize that miracles still do happen every day. They just are simple things. They're mm-hmm. simple things that we don't recognize as miracles because we're taking them for granted. Well, those simple miracles is just the decision to say, I'm having sex today, or I'm not going to eat this cake, or I'll drink more water. That is a miracle in and of itself when you can understand that when you piece together 30 days of those choices, you have success. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I, Christina, I don't think I could have given you a script for how to close out our chat any more beautifully than that. So, so well done. And thank you so much. I hate to cut this off. Um, you two have been amazing. I've really enjoyed our conversation. So, wow. yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's um, anyway, it, I'm glad that, that we've been fed through this and, and that I know our listeners have been fed as well. Let's remind people again, where they can go to find out more about you. They can go to our website at hormone-zone.com. You can also go to thesexdocs.com. And uh, you can like us on Facebook at The Hormone Zone. uh, Follow us on Instagram at The Sex Docs. And just real quick, we weren't technically voted for uh, Cutest Couple or uh, uh, Best Endocrinology, yet we've been nominated. So we need everyone to vote. So if you like this today, please go and vote. And I think you have the uh, link. Perfect. Very cool. Thank you both so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. And I honor the work that you're doing in the world. I think it's very important. Yes. You, it's you a too. Mutual respect and yes. regard. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank Take you. good care. Oh, absolutely. And to all of you out there, as always, we appreciate your loyalty. Until next time, go out, uncover your superpowers, and change the world. Take care, everyone. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and discover your superpowers today.